Welcome to the 90 Minutes Fitness Podcast, a podcast all about soccer-specific fitness, from training and gym work to nutrition and mindset, all in an easy-to-understand format. With a brand new episode every Monday featuring guests from the world of soccer and tips and advice on how to take your game to the next level, you're guaranteed to leave increased motivation and practical steps on how to succeed in the soccer world. Here's this week's episode with me, your host, Aidan Kern. In episode 15 of the podcast, I was joined by English professional footballer Charlie Mitchell. Charlie has played in many countries such as the United States, Denmark and the Faroe Islands. However, I really wanted to get him on to discuss his time playing in Southeast Asia, where he currently plays. This is a really insightful episode where Charlie shares his experience playing in Cambodia and Singapore and what life is like for an English player abroad. More than anything, he gives us a real insight into what life is like on and off the pitch and also shares his advice for players looking to make the move to Asian football. I know you're going to enjoy this one, so let's get straight into it. Charlie, thanks a lot for taking the time to come on the podcast. really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you for having me, mate. I appreciate it as well. No problem at all. So I think a story like yours, um, it's just great to get out there. Because that was the the objective, obviously, for you coming on, was just to tell us about your experience in Asia and just how how going a slightly different route can can just lead to so many possibilities. Because I think for a lot of players, they they might just stay in one country, especially in England, as we know, a lot of players just prefer to drop down to the lower leagues if they're not, you know, making at the top, top tiers. But I think there's so many possibilities out there in the world. And especially, I think in recent times, especially with Southeast Asia, just so many uh, possibilities out there. So I just wanted to get you on just to, to make people aware of the possibilities that there is and obviously your experience and what you think of it and then just any advice that you'd have for players. Um, but Charlie, just to start off with, you've had quite a quite a good career before going to, to Southeast Asia, quite a few countries taken in in that time. So if you could just take us from, I know you were at the Newcastle United Academy when you were younger. So if you could just take us from that time, just right up until uh, you signed for your first club in Southeast Asia. Yeah, uh, so I actually started at, I started at Newcastle when I was uh, five or six years old. Um, and then I was actually released when I was uh, eight or nine um, because they said I wasn't enough of a team player um, and that they wanted to keep an eye on me. Um, and so I, uh, I ended up going and playing boys club football uh, for, for a while then they came back and they were asking if I would be a part of like the development academy um, so ended up going back and also I was playing boys club football at the same time just in the northeast of England uh, for, a, for a great little club called uh, Newcastle City Juniors um, and I went up to uh, 15 and then I went over to Darlington who were League 2 at the time um, I played for just before they went into administration, I was I was playing there, uh, going up uh, to Durham at the time, uh, training three times a week, uh, and that was good. But uh, to get when they spoke about scholarships and things like that, um, it was about two months before the whole club kind of collapsed, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't probably the best decision for me uh, at the time. Uh, so I ended up going to. Uh, a football academy in the, the northeast uh, called Monk Seaton Football Academy that uh, specialised in going over to the States uh, and then played two years there. And with uh, four or first year, there was five boys from Newcastle who went over to the US uh, to North Carolina, a school called Wingate, uh, about 40 minutes outside of Charlotte in North Carolina. And then my year, another five of us went over 
So there was about nine nine boys from Newcastle in total over in uh, in Wingate University in North Carolina. Uh, so I played three years there and then transferred uh, to a Division One program called East Tennessee State University, uh, which is in Johnson City in Tennessee. And then uh, from there, signed in Denmark uh, for a club called Tisted FC in the second tier in Danish football. I uh, played one season there. And then at the end of the season there, I moved over for the second half of the season uh, within about four four weeks. Um, I, I really wanted to keep playing at the time um, because I just didn't want to stop. And I'm one of those people who doesn't really like to have too much of a break. So I joined uh, Faroese uh, club for the second half of their season and played for about three months there. And then in December of that year, I moved over to Cambodia to uh, Priya Khan Reach Swireing, which is uh, tra- we train in the in the capital. We trained in the capital, uh, Phnom Penh, and uh, stadium was a couple of hours outside, which we'd travel to for for games. Then I uh, moved to Singapore after the year, after we won the league in 2019. And I moved to Singapore, to the Singapore Premier League, to a club called Haugang United, um, and who also are playing in the AFC Cup, which is the equivalent of the Europa League for, for Asia. And then, uh, and now I've uh, come back to a club called Visaka um, FC uh, in Cambodia, where my uh, assistant from Sfairing was uh, previously. Um, so I've signed, signed back for them and also this year to play in the AFC Cup as well. Absolutely fantastic. You know, it's quite been quite the journey so far, hasn't it? But um, yeah, yeah, no, definitely. It's absolutely, like, as I said, great to get your story out there. Um, I might just pick up on a point just with the, when you mentioned playing in the Faroe Islands, just because it's quite a unique experience. Um, what was that like there in terms of like the playing standard and living situation and things like that? Um, it was, it was good. It, it, it was good for me at the time. I just really wanted to concentrate on games and nothing else apart from football, which is kind of all you can do there because it's such a small place, um, but a beautiful country. The facilities were as good, if not better than Denmark at the time. Uh, I don't think it was as good of a standard as Denmark, um, but uh, really, really good facilities. They had the best like artificial pitches, obviously, because it's so cold there. A lot of the times so they can't have uh, grass, but uh, really good artificial pitches, good change rooms, um, and it was good. It was about an maximum maximum away trip was about 40 minutes because it was such a, a small place. So it was good. Just three months games um, and very close to home for me. It was uh, about 45 or an hour to Edinburgh and then just on the train in Newcastle. So it was uh, it was perfect. Yeah, so I just wanted to pick up on that really because it's quite a unique uh, thing to do. Obviously, to go to the Faroe Islands, not too many uh, foreign players obviously go there. So was, I think, again, it was important as well for you because obviously you wanted to keep playing once you finished in Denmark. And even though it was only three months, obviously that allowed you that time to focus on football and, and kind of prepared you for, for the next opportunity exactly. that came. Um, so I think, yeah. again, it just shows that mentality of, you know, go where the opportunities arise. And I think that's a, lot, a mentality that will get you far and it's a, a mentality that a lot of players maybe lack sometimes is that they get stuck in their own little bubble. Whereas with you, you were kind of searching out that next opportunity and wherever that may be, wherever there was a chance to, to improve and keep playing football, 
no matter how i suppose unique the country may be and how you know unknown it might be you kind of saw yeah. the, the possibilities that were there and that kind of carried you over you know into your career um into asia but then just we'll just move on to cambodia then so how did that whole opportunity come about so obviously you were in the Faroe islands before you went how did that whole thing happen really well, my my agent at the time, uh, a Danish guy, was uh, like helping me with with different clubs, and um, the coach is an Irish coach who was in uh, who was the current head coach in in Sviring in Cambodia. He he's one of those guys who likes to watch a lot of different leagues, um, and he'd come across uh, the me being an English player, I think, in the Danish second division and watched a couple of our games that were on TV and uh, had a mutual friend who was uh, my agent at the time. And um, one of my friends in Denmark had actually just moved to Thailand at the end of the season. And he was sending me pictures about sitting by the pool in 30 degrees. And I was just about to play my play away in the Faroe Islands in, in freezing cold snow. <laughs> and I was like, how have we gone two different directions there? Um, so. So yeah, it was. He start. We started. He, he emailed asking to if I had the footage from one of the games he'd watched still, and I sent him it over. And we got talking, and he was just like, uh, "Do you would you would you consider coming over here?" Um, and I was like, "Hundred percent, yeah, I'll give it a go. Uh, nothing to lose at that point. Wanted to get and in, break into the kind of Asian market, um, and going over with a, a familiar voice as a as a coach." Um, was was like really good for me and crazily enough there was a american center back who had gone to east tennessee state university who was also playing there who played in the usl uh so knowing that there was two people i could go there and speak to it was a it was a no-brainer to, to try it such a small world isn't it how you'd find yeah and did, did you actually play with him at east tennessee or was he left by the time yeah, he's there. about he was about four years uh, prior to me, um, but from from the same town and as uh, the school and stuff, and uh, we knew of each other, so it was uh, and one of my good friends now, so it was it's a good uh, good person to go out with. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And it's just such a small world, obviously, like you being English, then moving over there. And that's just like, that's just how football is, isn't it? And you just kind of come yeah, across exactly. like, certain characters like that. And then obviously an Irish coach there as well. Um, not the most common for him either, obviously. But I think from from just having, you know, done a little bit of research on the Southeast, Southeast Asian leagues, there's quite a few foreign coaches now, isn't there? There's uh, yeah. even, at, even at your club at the moment, um, you see Northern Irish yeah northern irish yeah yep. so northern irish irish uh the irish coach still at my my old club there's um a few spanish coaches um a few like serbian coaches over here brazilians there's there's a lot of lot of foreigners who who, who like to come over here yeah definitely. a few english guys as well uh around like the bangladesh head coach um an english guy called jamie day there's the brunei head coaches english guy adrian Pennick who were at Gillingham and, and clubs like that. So it's funny where you see every a different uh, person in, in different in these different countries. Yeah, definitely. No, it definitely seems to be becoming just a popular option and, and for a good reason, as we'll get into in a bit. Um, but Charlie, just when you were making that decision to go to Cambodia, um, what was your thought process at the time? So like, was it just a straight away yes? Or did you have any reservations about it? Or what was your thinking at the time? 
Well, I, I, I was speaking to, to my agent and we had some options to go over to Iceland or back to Denmark at the time. And it was one of those, he, he at the time didn't think it was a good idea for me to go because I was 24 uh, going out there and he was like, this, you, you've got opportunities to go and play first or second tier in, in Europe and potentially come back to England or wherever, uh, really get your, you know, your name in Europe sort of thing. Um, but for me, it was just, I wanted to change. I was, I was, so I'd lived in America for four years and I had the opportunity to play and live in the sun for, for the majority of the year. And it's just, you just feel different when you're out in the warmth and just makes you feel, and you look forward to going to training instead of, I was going some days minus 15 and just with 15 layers on literally just trying to stay warm to train and, and, and battle it out and kind of in training with, with very good players. So um, it, there was definitely a little bit of, do I, um, but there was definitely a little bit of uh, hesitation, but it was, it was one of those things that I thought if I don't go now, I may never get that opportunity again. Exactly. Exactly. No, it's, uh, I think, Obviously, I just like to know the thought process behind it because obviously it's a big decision and it's a big move for yourself. Um, although you had been away quite a long time at that point, it's still a massive uh, cultural adjustment and things like that. What was that like for you then? So when you landed in Cambodia, what were the first few days or weeks like? How did you adjust to it? It was, it was. I was a bit like worried and, and things like that, walking around the streets. I wasn't really sure on on what it was going to be like did, did I need to be worried about you know being a foreigner in a in a country um out in Southeast Asia and you know you have you read a lot of things online when you're looking is it dangerous in Cambodia or is it Thailand or wherever and you're seeing all these some stories you know of people who've had bad experiences um so for the first few days I was a little bit on edge wasn't sure what I could eat that kind of thing um but after about a week I realized that I had nothing to be worried about. And it was just when people were staring at me, it was because they were just being nice. And it wasn't because they wanted to steal my phone. Do you know what I mean? It was yeah, yeah. just <laughs> being the, getting over that barrier to start with, of trusting where I was and, and what was around me. Um, and after that, I was, I was fine. I was good to go. And when you got there first, uh, were you taken care of by the club in terms of housing and things like that? Was that all taken care of? Yeah, so when I arrived, I was put in a hotel um, in the city. And uh, so it was fine. I was in a good area and, and the coach was just picking me up for the train in the next morning. And, you know, there's, I mean, even coming out here, it was, I went to the bottom of the hotel and there was a Starbucks and went around the corner and there was a, a big mall with, you know, KFC and every kind of food that you get at home. So I was just like, this is just looks pretty normal. It looks like I was walking into Elden Square in Newcastle where yeah. there's all these shoe shops and that kind of thing. So I was just like, this is fine. Obviously I hadn't gone over to any of the rough areas or any of the poorer areas. Um, so I was, I was fine. I was, I was good. Yeah. I think that's so important to realize, isn't it? That like, it's uh, although it's a cultural adjustment and obviously it's a totally different culture, there's still certain, like it's a very livable place like you said you were on edge for the first week or so thinking you know this and that was going to happen but then you realize yep. that it's just like obviously 
just just a different country a different way of life a different culture and i think as long as you're open open to that and i think you need to be a certain type of person you do need to make up your mind to be open to different cultures and to to embrace the differences that are there i think if you go there with the mindset that uh, you know you have to live the way you've always lived then i think that's yeah. when that's when players really struggle that's when when Definitely. things happen so i think for yourself obviously you are open to that and have been obviously when you went to Denmark, same thing, Faroe and the same thing. So it's been a common trend. Yeah. And I think if you're that type of person, I think that's when you know you'll re- see the real success. Um, and then on the pitch, Charlie, how was that for you in terms of the standards of players or the training environment, facilities, that sort of thing? When I when I when I first came over, I uh I was I looked at a bit of footage on uh on YouTube and and try to find some games. And what I could see was that they were re- very fast. That's all I, I could say. But I was thinking, like, maybe like what I thought when I went to Denmark, you know, it's, it's Southeast Asia. I was thinking it can't it can't be that good sort of thing. And I think my first training session, it was about 36 or 37 degrees, three o'clock. Uh, you know, on the weather, it said like feels like 43 or something like this. And I've, and I've gone out and they must have been thinking, who's this guy? Because they're just just popping the ball around me like I wasn't there. You know, I just just got off the plane. I was being in freezing cold weather and suddenly I was in this, I couldn't, I could barely see after about 20 minutes. My head was was burning that much and my feet were burning as well. And I was like, I was just, I was really, really surprised at how quick and technical some of these boys were. Um, I, we had six or seven national team players. Um, and again, you think, Cambodia national team like never heard of them or anything like that but like anywhere you get there and in the country there's very good players uh everywhere you go in the world you you if you play for your national team you you're not you're not terrible at football sort of thing um so it was it was tough the first I would say the first two or three weeks and uh it definitely took a little bit of an of an adjustment of I can't play my normal game of being every trying to be everywhere on the pitch at the moment and I've got to kind of reserve my energy and uh and try and understand how these boys play and and that was that was probably the hardest bit at the start the first two weeks and after that once I got a little bit adjusted to the heat and realized what I had to do and what the best thing for me to do was that's when I started to really to get involved and, and start to enjoy it and just from looking online as well just with the kind of uh, game day situation, match day, um, one thing I think has been quite obvious is that the fans are quite passionate about football over there. Um, the stadiums are big. There's great attendances. What was that yeah. like for you in terms of, you know, playing in front of bigger crowds and, and things like that? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing, the biggest, the, the biggest crowd I'd played in front of uh, was in Denmark when we played Esbjerg, uh, which was a Super League team that had come down probably seven or eight thousand there i think at the time and i remember being on the bench coming on and being petrified thinking this is not like this is scary and i think i was only on for about 30 minutes um but yeah it was it was first few games again it was it was amazing i just i was i was coming out and the fans were already inside the stadium before even pre-season we were getting quite a lot of fans into the games and um Cambodia hasn't got, for instance, Indonesia's 80,000 in every game, uh, which is a similar, uh, maybe not, maybe a little bit better standard, but not crazy difference. Um, 
but so it's not at that level uh, yet. But uh, that's what they're kind of trying to do with the stadiums and stuff. You know, getting fifteen, twenty thousand in uh, regularly. Um, but yeah, it was it was good. It was exciting. Um, they're, they're they're just loud and they don't really stop and they get excited over absolutely everything. And so it was it was really really good experience to play in front of that. And you start to get used to it after after a few games. And uh, I, I don't think they have the same knowledge as as the as the English fans or or fans in Europe where they get on your back when things aren't aren't going well. They they just never stop you. They just and they love you no matter what, even if you, as long as you've put done like put some hard work in. And luckily, we were winning, so uh, even if we drew a game or anything, they were just coming over and they just want to like hug you and get pictures with you and stuff like that. So it was it was really really nice experience. Yeah, just from online, I've definitely seen in terms of the media days and things like that, and they love a photo and, like you said, just yeah. kind of getting involved and things like that, which is great to see. Obviously, as a footballer, that's what you want. You want to see, you know, a bit of passion yeah, about yeah. and people getting involved. So yeah, that's absolutely fantastic. That, yeah, that was one of the that was one of the weirdest things for me when I first got here because I I remember, I mean, there was probably about fifty people who would come in in into our away games, for instance, in Denmark would maybe only get a thousand or fifteen hundred to the games, two thousand. Um and I remember walk, just walking down to the shop and two little lads came and asked to take a photo with me. And I was thinking like me, I was looking around like why why do you want a photo with me sort of thing. And that that was when it kind of sank in that the people here are just in the whole city they're crazy about football. Um, so that was that was a that was a strange strange experience for me the first time. You know, you don't really know how it acts um, when when someone does that for the first time. So it was uh, so it was nice. It was good experience. Yeah, definitely all the learning experience. And then just like yeah. as the season as a whole in Cambodia for you, it was you know by all accounts a very successful season. You won the the team won the title at the end of the season. Is is that yeah the case? yeah yeah we we went twenty twenty five games unbeaten that year. So, okay. um, really, really good season. Just everything went right for us, um, and we had we won the league with f- four games to go. Absolutely brilliant! Obviously, for yourself first season there, um, couldn't, yeah, couldn't have gone any better. And then, obviously, that brings us on then to Singapore. Um, so, how did that opportunity come about? Was it a case of somebody knows somebody, or how did how did that happen? Um, I think once you once you get out here. Uh, it becomes kind of like a pool of foreigners and coaches and agents. And it's kind of like you start to realize who's in, who's in which club and, and some people will contact, like you might get contacted by an agent who you've never met before. And um, a lot of things are done kind of under the table here in terms of like agency work and talking to players and coaches talking to players. It's not as like the Premier League where you you know, you're going to get caught out for doing that. It, it happens a lot over here. Um, so, yeah, that, that happens a lot over here. So I was actually contacted on Facebook by the general manager um, and an agent had sent my stuff over to him and he was, like, asking my situation, would I would I be interested? And I was actually, uh, I'd been st- gone over to Vietnam at the time to, to train with the team. And uh, I was training with them and then Singapore club rang me, the head coach rang me and just asked if I would would be interested in coming. And 
kind of did the deal on the phone uh, when I was in when I was in Vietnam. Um, so then I flew flew over to Singapore about two weeks later and uh, signed my contract and uh, went back back to stay with one of my friends in Malaysia for a little bit and then uh, and then came back to Singapore and started the season. And how was life different for you in Singapore compared to Cambodia? Was it much different or, or how was the lifestyle in general? It was, it, I mean, Singapore is just like, it's almost like living in London, but in the sun, it was mm-hmm. completely different. It was like next, next, like another world. Um, you can't quite believe that it's so close to these surrounding countries. Um, the streets were just filled with these huge amazing buildings and you know everything's clean and like the technology there is amazing um football wise fans not not so much there's they're not they're not really as passionate um from about 10 years ago they were getting 50 60,000 there and then there's just been a huge drop for some reason um so they've started i think letting their standards go quite a bit over there um Jermaine Pennant went over there uh, two or three years ago um, to try and kind of he was kind of like a marketing tool to try and get fans back in the stadium and, and that kind of thing uh, it didn't didn't quite work because he, he didn't do that well there um, but uh, it was it was okay you know it was a COVID year start of COVID we were locked down in March we played three games and two in the AFC Cup Um so that was a great experience playing in that. Got to play against some good players who I wouldn't have maybe been able to play ever against if I hadn't uh, come over to Asia. Um, and yeah, we were. It was a stop-start season. Um, we sold again. Sold like uh, in Denmark previously, we'd sold our striker. Um, this year, we sold our striker halfway through the the Corona when we'd had a good start. And uh, we never really recovered from it. And after after the COVID break, we played, uh, I think, 10 games, just one round uh, of the season. And uh, uh, we it was it was OK. It just wasn't it wasn't the season that we were all expecting um, in terms of so many breaks. And it was, you know, like I said, very stop start um, and and difficult and the yeah it just it was a bit disappointing there for me i didn't i didn't enjoy it as much as i thought i was going to because as a place it was amazing to live but i just don't think that they love football that much there uh, i think they like to think they do but i think they prefer they love watching the premier league and there's people walking around in man united kits and everything but when it comes to their local league they don't really support it that well so uh that's why i prefer i'd preferred playing here uh, in cambodia just because of the buzz around all the games. And, and that's why you want to play football, really. Of course, of course. No, that's obviously the, the driving factor behind, you know, playing football is you want that that atmosphere and that environment in which to play. And you want people to care, you know, for, for good or yeah. bad. So like if you play bad, it's good to see fans on your back because it means they care in a way. And then obviously exactly. when you're doing well, it's good to see that as well. So obviously that would seem to be missing from, from Singapore. And in terms of the level, what was what was that like? Um, the standard play, was it much different to Cambodia or pretty similar? Um, I don't think it was much, not that much different to here. Um, I think the locals are a little bit bigger there. That would pro- probably be they're more uh, Western, um, more physical. Uh, than here uh, but in terms of standards 
it wasn't it wasn't much different to to I think a lot of the countries are, are fairly fairly similar uh, in this in this part of the region. Um, so it kind of just depends on the 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 kind of the difference of, for instance, here and in, say Indonesia is they get sixty seventy thousand every game. Uh, the difference from here to Thailand is that probably the Thai the Thai league is the is the best one in Southeast Asia. Um, pitches are amazing and the money there is just like different that's probably the difference i mean you've got players on two two million a year there in thailand um so the standard is obviously better than players who aren't on definitely not that year so um so that that was that's probably the 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 main difference for between the different countries in southeast asia i would say is the money and then uh the fans and like I said, Singapore I think has a lot of potential. There's they're getting there's a club there called Lion City Sailors. They just uh, bought a midfielder for three million, I think it was. So they're, they're starting to spend money there um, from the Portuguese league. Um, they're starting to spend a bit of money there. So hopefully in the next few years that that builds up again and they they get a lot of fans back in the stadium. It definitely seems to be a growing market at the moment. Definitely, I think even in terms of the media exposure and things like that, I think it's starting to trickle through to, to you know Europe and elsewhere. Even even um, so, I think it's it's really really growing, and I think it's a great time for yourself to be there. Obviously, in the prime of your career, um, and you know being being there for you've been there for three three four years now. Third year, yeah, this is my third yeah. year now. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, hopefully, I, in the next few years, I can uh, can push on. Uh, for me, being over here, I think the most important thing is uh, being with a coach that can understand you and, and trust you. It's difficult to go into a team where it's a local coach because as a foreign player, you know, you have different needs to the local players. Um, they expect a lot out of the foreigners here. You have three or four per team. And if you're a striker and you don't score 15 goals, they think you're terrible. Like, that's just how it is. You can You can get... 10 assists and if you don't score over 10 goals in a season it's just like who's this as yeah. a midfielder they want a goal or an assist every game and it has to be if you if not then it's like when you're changing that foreigner the fans will say on facebook and things like that they're all like i mean we were 15 games unbeaten and they were trying to change two of they were talking about trying to change two of our foreigners on on social media uh when we were uh my first year in cambodia and i was looking at that thing and it was one of the strikers and I was, he'd scored, I think, I think he'd scored seven or eight in the first, yeah, 14, 15 games and we were winning. And then that was it. The coach was messaging them back on there saying, why would I fix something that's not broken? Got to understand that it's, he's still doing his part. He's, he's got five assists and seven goals or something like this. And they were like, oh, he's not good enough. So, I mean, it's, it is ruthless, but if you can get with a good coach who, understands that maybe not every game you're going to be perfect then that's that's the that's a really really important thing i think when you when you come out of these places exactly exactly and just as well what would you think would be the biggest challenges for yourself so obviously when you first moved there or even today what do you think are the biggest challenges for you as a, a professional player playing in southeast asia um, I think really right now, obviously the lockdowns, it's difficult when you when you're out here and you don't have your family around you or your friends. Um it's a, a lot of alone time, you know, as a as a player. We might train twice a twice a day or once a day. And that's 
on the pitch is probably the easiest part. You know, you've, it's it's really about being making sure you keep your mind taken over and you stay you stay doing things and stay active when you when you're outside and and that's probably I would say honestly the biggest challenge. Um, and then on the pitch, it's about being able to learn about the team and about what your teammates expect of you and what you need to do for them. So. For instance, when I first got here, I was very vocal on the pitch, which I'd learned from being in England and then America and then Denmark. It was if you don't talk or shout, you don't get something out of someone. And that's sometimes the best thing. And, and then your, your best friends after the game. And that's how it is. You can have a go at someone or call anyone any name and it's fine. It's finished at the end of the game. Over here, if you have a go at someone in an aggressive tone, they almost cry like they're just devastated that you would even say something like that and, and it can click and it can either they can either start to respect you and if you're playing well for them and playing well for the team they'll respect you as a player but if you're not it can turn quite nasty and a lot of foreigners come over and they they think that they're better than everybody because they're a foreigner and then within three or four weeks you can be finished because these boys will just throw you out the window it's like finish for them and, and you can't win them back so it's about like learning different cultures learning how you're going to get the best out of your teammates without coming across as I'm Mr. Know-it-all I've been here I've been there sort of thing um, and that was that was a big big challenge for me at the start and took me I would say five or six weeks um, probably till my second game I would say actually that the boys and the team started to listen to me because it was just, they were like, who's this guy? You know, why are you coming to our country and telling us what to do? Which is fair enough when you think about it. Um, uh, so, so yeah, that, that was probably the biggest challenge, I think. Yeah, I think flexibility is key, isn't it? And I think understanding the different cultures and just understanding people in general, I think, and how different people respond to different things. Um, so obviously coming from the UK and American things like that, it is a very vocal game and, and you're expected to be that way. So I think if you're not that way, you will be criticised for it. If you went into an English club and, and you just didn't say a word for the whole training session, um, you'd probably be on your way pretty soon because you are expected exactly. to you know, be vocal and to, to communicate and that's a big part of the game. So it's interesting to hear that it's it's just a slight bit different out there and that players do respond a little bit differently to that. Um, but for you, obviously you, you saw that and you made the adjustment um, and then that obviously led to the success down the line. But it's interesting to, to think about if you hadn't you know, been that aware of the players that you were actually playing with and actually taking notice of it and open to the I suppose the flexibility of dealing with different people that it could have gone a very yeah. different way for you and you know you I mean been, exactly it could have been, could have yeah. been out within a few weeks that's when I mentioned having a foreign coach you know he had to come in after a month tap me on the shoulder and just be like by the way I love what you're doing I love the way you're talking and you're going to be able to do that soon but right now you need to go and say sorry to him for having a go at him sort of thing and it's you haven't done anything wrong but you need to go and do it otherwise he'll not pass you the ball for the next two weeks like it's that ridiculous um so that's that's why it's so important and if i hadn't had a foreign coach to come and say that and and to come and uh tell me those little things then i think it could have been like like you said very very difficult and may have only lasted a couple of months out here because you don't want to be anywhere that you, you're not wanted and, and and that kind of thing so 
Yeah, and I think that that's true probably on and off the pitch as well. Off the pitch, I'm sure, you know, you have to carry yourself in a certain way and, you know, it's different to, to how you might act in the UK, for example. Um, you do have to, just from obviously reading the, the stories of other players and things like that, they do say there's a big adjustment off the pitch as well. And yeah. You do need to have that kind of certain decorum about you and, you know, respect their cultures and how they do things as well. And I Definitely. suppose, I think... I've read it all as well. You know, obviously the team environment is big um, in Southeast Asia. And I think being, you know, accepted into the team is quite important if you, if you want to succeed. Um, is there any advice you'd have for, for players trying to integrate into a team apart from obviously not, you know, screaming at them on the pitch, but is there anything off the pitch that you'd kind of advise or suggest um, just to get integrated into a team as quick as possible? I think um, just trying to go out your way to do, to speak to them and learn about them and learn about their culture and offer offer yourself to go and do different things, whether they want to go and, you know, have a coffee, like a, like what we would do at home. Or if you want to, if they want to take you somewhere to somewhere like their house, or if they want to take you to where they practice religion or something like that, it might not be for you, but if you do it, they start to respect you and they realize that you're trying and you want to be, one of them and you're you're buying into that kind of family because they're so everything's a family for them they're they're all touch tight they they love each other like devastated when one of them leaves sort of thing and they you don't really see that anywhere else in the world there's a lot of clicks in different changing rooms but these boys they're just they realize that their lives aren't amazing and something sometimes it's tough for them so they all really really stick together and that's why you need to for them to be on your side because if they're not then they're all against you sort of thing so once you're in there you're sorted they'll do absolutely everything for you and they'll look after you and anything you need they'll do for you so that that would be that would be being open to to them and, and their cultures yeah so important so important i think that yeah. that's any country you go to as well you need to be open to it and i think that's when you'll be successful in any other country i think that's that's the most important thing and then charlie just from you know, even if you take a week in your life, so the standard week outside of COVID um, in Cambodia, in terms of the training, everything like that, how many times a week would you train, what it looks like, um, what you might do outside of training, you know, any kind of activities that you might do or any downtime that you have. Um, if you could just take us through the best you can, just kind of what a week in your life would look like. Yeah, so um, generally we have two doubles a week, uh, double sessions a week. Uh, we're in every day, apart from maybe the day after a game. Um, but generally, we're in every every day. Uh, so Monday will be a single session, and then for instance, Tuesday, if it's a double session, we're we're usually in every day. We'll be in at eight forty-five for uh, like a prehab session in the gym. We'll go through and we'll do different stretches and weights and stuff. Then we go onto the pitch, do a session. Then after the session, we have bedrooms at the club that we're allowed to use uh, on, on training days and we can go and rest for a little bit and, you know, just chill um, and then go to your second session uh, or there's lunch at the club as well. Uh, so I'll have some lunch, go back to my room for a little bit there and then, uh, and then go and do the second session. Um, and then other days just from, from home to training uh, and then I'll come back. I'll usually stop and get some lunch uh, and, a, and a coffee sort of thing after training. We'll, we'll train, like I said, 8.45, 9 a.m. and be done by by half 11. Um, and then other than that, outside, got a nice pool here. So I like to sit by the pool 
Um, I'll if we get a weekend off, it's amazing. Before COVID, you could go to Thailand or Bali, Indonesia, wherever it may be. Um, and it's within one or two hours, so you can go to some amazing, visit some amazing places. Um, then there's a lot of like nice restaurants uh, that me and a few of my teammates go to, and like sky rooftop bars and things like that that you can go and have tea or whatever you want and up there and just relax. So uh, it's it's fairly normal, apart from the fact that it's always beautiful weather here. Which were so if you want to go and sit by the pool, you can go and do it. But other than that, outside, you know, it's it's what I would. Uh, would do maybe at home I think that's so good to say because I think so many people have a misconception of what life is like and you know I think uh, they think it's a lot tougher than it is but especially I, I've seen your Instagram stories things like that of the pool and it's absolutely incredible to, to see yeah. it and, and things like that so it is an incredible you know lifestyle in general just because of you know the culture and the climate and things like that that just naturally makes it you know really really good so I think it's important for players to realize you know that you can have a really good standard of life out there it might be different to what you're used to but if you're yeah. open to it i think you know you can really have a good uh, a good standard of life there um and then just with any we'll say for example there's a player listening to this from the uk for example that might be playing you know it would say national league that might be looking to make the move over uh to southeast asia um doesn't necessarily need to be the first tier but even second tier third tier um what advice would you have for those players in the decision making process or do you have any advice on how to go about it it's i, I usually get five or ten messages a week asking can you get me there or can you get me here and i usually say the same to to players who if you've got it's it is it's it's difficult because players are good enough to play out here, but teams will look and they'll look at your CV maybe and they'll see a guy who's for instance come straight out of the US. I I wouldn't have been able to come here if it was straight out of the US. Uh, I don't think not because of my ability, but just because I hadn't got professional experience. Um, I think if anyone's playing in for like you said the National League for instance, then. For them, it's it's a lot about contacts. You need to have some good footage of yourself. Um, a lot of teams out here ask for a transfer market, which is uh, what I think you'll know. It's like a kind of like amount of money that you're worth yeah. on on online and your stats, and it's very hard for some players to get it um, if you're not a professional, for instance. Um, but most players should have one in the national league or in. Uh, league two or wherever it may be uh, but if not then if you can find that database or profile uh, to to kind there's one actually on a, a, a company called jobs for football they'll give a free database to players and it's exactly the same as transfer market so it gives at least a club something to see and then footage is massive even if it's setting your own camera up when you're playing in a national league game and or if any games on tv whatever it is get footage you have to you can't unless you're willing to come on a trial when which right now is very difficult because of all the problems in the world but footage is massive getting good footage of yourself playing wherever that may be um even if that's enough to get you a trial out here then you know that hopefully you're going to be good enough to come out and play um but there's players who will come from who will drop down from massive leagues and they they come to the and they come to Asia because they want they're a bit older or whatever 33 or 34 and they've played even La Liga or wherever it is 
and they're finished now and they just want to live in Thailand or something like that. Um, so important is to come with, I think it's, like I said, it's difficult if you want to come direct. When you, when you, when you look, a lot of players who are looking to come out here, I think they, they just think that, like I probably thought as well, that you can just come and you'll be fine. Um, I think before you come, you need to be prepared to, if you've never played in Asia before, it's one big thing for them to, that they always say here that they don't sign players directly because they haven't got Asian experience, which I was lucky in the fact that I direct, I signed directly because I had a foreign coach, but now I've understood why it's because when players come out here and they invest money in them to come out, especially now, if you've got to, for instance, they've got to pay for your quarantine and hotels and, Obviously, the wages are, 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 are better maybe than some other countries. And so they're investing quite a lot in you. And they worry about players coming from England or Australia or Europe who haven't experienced this. Because what happens if in two weeks they say, I don't really like it, I've got to go home. And they've invested all this time scouting, said no to other players. So if you're coming from, for instance, like we've talked about the National League and you've got... Some you've got games online on Instat, whether it is or if it's the fact that you're literally asking a cameraman to come and video your game just so you can get footage of yourself and put together six or seven, eight minutes of your best highlights. And that is how a lot of players get signed out here. It's from highlight videos. It's not like in the UK where a lot of clubs or majority of clubs will do an, have an analysis on you or only the top clubs over here or, or foreign-orientated clubs have that available. So we have one here, an uh, analyst who can look at all your, your stats and he can say, you know, he's better than our player here on touches in the box or, or whatever. But majority of clubs, they don't do it and they want to see highlights. If you're a striker and you want to come out to Asia and you've got 10 goals on a nice pitch with a good stadium, or even if it's not a good stadium, but you're playing well, as long as you have that and you have that footage available, then it's going to be a lot easier for you. Um, you still may have to trial if it's a big sum of money that they're willing to offer you. And before COVID, what you would have found is that you'll arrive at a game for a trial and there's 22 trialists there of everywhere in the world, Brazilians, African guys, Spanish, English, whatever it is. And everyone's going for them, those four, four foreign spots. And people will be willing to take less, for instance, than what you're willing to take. So you've got to really perform on that day to get what you want, sort of thing. Um, and if not, it's about connecting with coaches out here, whether that's on LinkedIn. I use LinkedIn a lot to speak to different coaches and to, to, to different uh, scouts or whatever it may be. And trying to find that connection of, do I know someone who knows someone? It can be clutching at straws at sometimes, and it's it can be annoying and frustrating. You might not get messages back or, or all that kind of thing. But once you do get the opportunity to come out here, it's I'd say it's a hundred percent worth it because for one, salary wise, you might be able to make quadruple plus of what you're able to make in in fifth fourth or fifth I mean or fifth division in England for instance um, or in Europe or wherever it may be um, so if you 
if you can really try and promote yourself, have have data available in any way you can. If you're really serious about coming out at one of these places, then then it's something that you should be willing to do, sort of thing, to market yourself. If you're just expecting to, for instance, like players message me, like I said before, they'll message me on Instagram and say, I want to play uh, in Asia. So can I come and have a trial or can I come and play for your club? And it's like, well, they have a video and then they'll send you a video and they'll be, oh, I've just trained and they're training in their back garden. And it's like... How am, I, how am I supposed and it, it, it is laughable like this is yeah. generally what happens and my coach would tell you the same thing if you look at his messages on Facebook or whatever there's a thousand messages from players give me a chance I'll come for free I'll play I'll do whatever it is to to play for you and get that opportunity so it's it's marketing yourself and giving yourself the best opportunity for for people to see how you play and show that you're better. And if you do get the opportunity to come and trial, whether that's through a connection, whether that's if it is a good player, I'm more than happy to help anyone who who is willing or or even give advice to someone who maybe hasn't got many games or is a young player or whatever. And I could say maybe try and go to a lower lower tier team in Europe, get professional games, and then come out here. Once, once maybe that that road ends, or you want that change, um, so yeah, marketing yourself, connections, always trying to look for new connections, messaging people. Obviously, you don't want to annoy, the, like a coach messaging them fifty times. You kind of get the picture if they don't message you back the first the first time, uh, but a lot of them will because if you're able to send some sort of footage, some data, and show kind of what kind of player you are, then. Most like a lot of coaches are, are will are actually open to, to speak to you. Yeah, I can only imagine the types of, sorry types of messages that, that you get. Um, because obviously myself I get quite a few. And I think yeah. the thing is as well, it's those types of players that might send those messages just saying, Oh, I'll, I'll go out there and like I play for free and like I, I don't care about this and that and like lifestyle wise and things like that. Uh it is part of it, and you do need to think about those logistics like there's no point you know and i think that's quite naive of players to do because i think that's going to be the biggest barrier um if you do go out there sometimes the football might be okay and you might be doing well there but it's off the pitch that you might you know that's where the challenges occur um so if you're just not really caring about that i think it's a little bit naive on, on the part of the player and it is something that you need to think about and i think you do need to think about yourself as well as a person if you if you're open and ready to adjust to a different culture um because it's not not just all about the football you do need to be a type of person that can deal with that type of stuff off the pitch as well um so i think it's about being honest with yourself um before you kind of put yourself through it because it is quite a tough experience obviously i've never i've never done it in southeast asia you have but i'm sure you'll agree that it is quite a tough experience and it can be tough you know off the pitch like mentally like you said the amount of time that you have off the pitch and trying to fill your time it can be quite tough like that so you do need to be very mentally strong and a certain type of person to, to do that so although the opportunities might be you know much much better in southeast asia you do need to think about everything off the pitch as well and really look deep inside yourself to see kind of what type of person you are and wh- whether you're ready to to actually take that on um so i think that's that's so important to realize definitely and again it it is like anywhere and it's it's being open to to maybe taking that if you do get offered that first opportunity or that trial in a place where your salary might not be huge and this is for anywhere in the world that 
players looking to get into the different countries, wherever it may be. You, it's about proving yourself wherever you go. And my side, if it's always, I always look back and think, if my first year hadn't gone like it, like it had, then I could have easily just been another foreigner who came for half a season and and was out. And you don't get that that chance again. So you do have to go and wherever you've played before, whether you think that you know I've you've come from a top league, wherever it is, and you see players and you'll you'll be on the same pitch as players who who have played against huge players, and and you think, well, how are you on the same pitch? And it is all about just once you do get that opportunity or get offered that opportunity, whether it's the exact deal you want to start with, it'll come. Those deals will come once you've proved yourself in these new in these in these new new places. And the amount of contacts and and opportunities that I've had since coming that I would have never had a million in a million years if I hadn't come here in the first place um is is huge and can could be huge for after football, you know, helping players uh to to get over here with or you know just being able to speak to players about the opportunities um so yeah like i said being open and it's not going to be perfect the first place you go if it is then brilliant amazing that's what we all want in life but you're probably going to have to fight some barriers but if you're willing to go if you're willing to come out here and you do get that opportunity, for me, it's hundred percent go for it. But like you said, you have to be, you have to be willing to to change for sure. You have to be willing to change and willing to, and be open to completely crazy things that you would just never experience or just see before in your life. And you just think, what? Because there's been a hundred times I've thought, like, what am I doing here? I've seen something and just been like, oh my days, this is ridiculous. Do you know what I mean? Okay. And like, for instance, we went to an away game and some of the lads are eating fried tarantula and fried snake. And I'm like, yeah. and this is like night before a game. And I'm like, surely this isn't, do you know what I mean? Like, it's so different, isn't it? What What's going on? Like, isn't it? isn't it chicken pasta and salad, yeah. you know, night before a game and nothing else sort of thing. And that like those little things, you think what, what's going on here? And you do, you get thrown into an environment where it's not going to be perfect for you, but you reap the benefits of it at the end with maybe your salary or being able to live in a country where, you know, you have some opportunities where you can sit by the pool and, and enjoy nice weather and that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the benefits, you know, it's they they do far outweigh the negatives. Um, I think if you're willing to give it everything and just to, you know, fully immerse yourself into the life there, I think if you overcome those first few weeks or months, I think the benefits um, are definitely there. Um, but Charlie, I just really want to thank you for your time because I think this has been such a, you know, an insightful podcast and it's really going to open people's eyes to the opportunities that exist outside their own countries or their own bubble. Because I think if you do, if you're truly, you know, passionate about the game and want to succeed in the game, you do need to explore these different options outside of what, what you're used to and what you're comfortable with. And I think, you know, by sharing your story, it's really, really shown 
how you can make success of yourself, you know, in a country and in an area that people don't really consider going to. Um, but I think it's definitely something for players to keep in mind uh, in the future. Uh, so I just really want you to thank, thank you for uh, coming on and sharing your story. And, you know, of course, like help, helping players out there as well. Um, just if any players are interested in, you know, just finding out more about it or anything like that, um, where's the best place to reach you? Yeah, they can, anyone can, can give me a message on Instagram or I can give you my email. Um, which is no problem, or my, my WhatsApp, it's uh, no problem. Like I said, always happy to have a chat with someone um, about if, if, if it's going to be for them or what I think. Obviously, I can't be the judge of whether I think you're good enough uh, for, for, a, for every coach, but I can kind of get an idea from what my coach, for instance, wants and, and what teams kind of look for in, in a player out here. Um, and, and definitely can send some contacts of agents or people's people in clubs that uh, should be able to help. Exactly. And I think the more players we have like you, the better just that are open to, you know, sharing your experiences and kind of help in any way that they can. I think, you know, it's, uh, you know, invaluable uh, in the football world because as you know, like the football is a small world and there's always the chance that somebody knows somebody and so on. Um, so exactly. I think, you know, you're, you're a great point of contact to have. So I'll link everything in the description below, all your contact details. If anyone wants to uh, reach out to you, just uh, just to find out a bit more about it. And um, yeah, yeah Stephen speaking and, to and you. And don't, and like for, for players, don't be disheartened if you don't get messages back from coaches or whatever it is. Like I, before when I was in Denmark, I probably sent or in, in Scandinavia, even in America, probably sent 100 messages out, whether it's to coaches or whatever it was, just to show. And I had my footage ready, like I said before. So don't be disheartened if you don't get messages back. It might not be for you right now. Might not That opportunity might not come right now. But if you keep persevering with it, then you never know what can happen. And okay. also, thank you to you as well, because your page is, is brilliant. And honestly, I use it as well. I use all your, your tips and especially in lockdown as well. It's It's been been quality for me, like all the little sessions and, and tips and stuff. So I, I really appreciate that as well because it's great content. That's great to hear. Thanks very much for that. So that's the, you know, obviously the objective that I had for it is just, uh, you know, on any given day, if a player wants to do a session that they can just go to the page and pick out a session, exactly. whatever that might be. So no, thanks very much for that. It's great. No, to... It is. It's good. Like I've, I've been doing, coming into lockdown and like, you know, when you're not really sure what you want to do, you, you flick if i uh, jump on your page and bam there it is and, it, and it's set for you so it's it's brilliant so it's, it's really good so uh really enjoying that content as well so thank you for that no problem at all no cheers thanks for thanks for saying that but charlie i wish you the very best look um obviously with with covid and things like that there's a few restrictions in cambodia so i hope things get back uh back to normal as soon as possible and that you get back on the pitch as soon as possible and i wish you the very best look for the the season coming up and we'll keep in touch Definitely, mate. Sounds good. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate Cheers. it. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you all very much for listening. And like I said, as always, if you have any questions, feel free to contact me by email, aiden at 90minutesfitness.com or send me a DM on Instagram as I'm always happy to help. If you found value in today's episode, please like, share and follow. Thanks again for listening. I'll speak to you all again soon.